So uh, I'm going to share a series of numbers with you. And I want you to see if any of these ring a bell and, and the way that they're shared with you. 6, 8, 9, 37, 40, and 26. Think about it. I'll give you one more time. 6, 8, 9, 37, 40, and 26. Anybody recognize all those numbers? All right. Well, that's that might be kind of positive. Actually, uh, if you did, you would probably probably be $250 million richer right now because those are the numbers to the current Powerball jackpot drawing. And you would be a... Uh, you probably wouldn't have been here right now. You'd been on your way to Frankfurt or wherever to cash that in, right? That is the current... Uh, those are the current numbers to the power... Everybody's looking at their phone and sees it. I get it. Did I win it? But me... $250 million, lottery, the lottery. Now, I'm not going to get up here and start preaching about the lottery today, all right? What I am going to preach about is something that the lottery stemmed from, the word lottery. As you heard Roger just read, he talked about um, those disciples casting lots. And casting lots, lot, the lottery, if you go back, Deep enough, far back enough, lottery comes from the casting of lots. Well, what in the world does casting of lots mean? What, what is, what has, what's that have anything to do with it? I'm going to flip the scripture just a bit. We're going to do the, 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 uh, the last section of the scripture today, and then we're going to jump back and do the first section of the scripture towards the end of it. But a lottery is a randomization, right? Uh, the act of making a choice based on the outcome of a random event. Lottery, right? When we think lottery, it means big bucks. Hopefully I win it. That's all I care about, lottery, right? Yeah, well, we're not going into that. At any rate, we're going to jump straight to verse 15, okay? So if you would with me, we're going to look starting in verse 15. I want to reread what Roger just read, and there's importance to how they approach this. And then I want you to be, I want to be clear with you that just because people in there just gambled or what looked like randomization of numbers, that doesn't, I'm not sitting here trying to be a proponent of it for you in your life. But this is how the, the process happened, okay? So Matthias is chosen, all right? So in this, in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters, and the number of people who were together were about 120, and they said, brothers and sisters, it is necessary, it is necessary that the scripture be fulfilled that the Holy Spirit through the mouth of David foretold about Judas, who became a guide to those who was arrested for, listen to what happened, for one of our number, uh, he was one of our number and shared in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with his unrighteous wages. Then he fell, as you know, because um, of who Ju Judas was. Right, and his betrayal of Jesus, right? He fell head first, his body burst open, his, and his intestines spilled out. It was not just a simple death that he died. His body burst open, his intestines spilled out. And this became known to all the residents of Jerusalem that in their own language, the field was called Keldama, right? Or field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, and this is what, this is what uh, Peter had stood up and was referencing. Let his dwelling become desolate. Let no one live in it and let someone else take his position. 
Judas is gone. He's dead, right? He, we need someone now. So this is, the, this is what's happening, right? This is historical account of what happened. So somebody's got to take the position in the 12. At this point, there was 11. Someone's taking that, the position or that spot of the 12. Let someone else take his position. And then verse 21 says, this is what happened. Therefore, from among the men who have accompanied, from among the men who have accompanied us during the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, from among these, it is necessary that one of these become a witness with us of his resurrection. So of those men that were with him, traveling with him, seeing what happened, right? Seeing the ministries of Jesus before his crucifixion and resurrection and ascension that just happened, there were two people that they selected. Joseph, called Barsabas, and who was also known as Justice, and Matthias. And then, here's what they did. And this is an important part of this. Then they prayed. They said, you, you Lord, know everyone's hearts. You know our hearts. Show which of these two you have chosen to take a place in the apostolic ministry that Judas left to go where he belongs. And then they cast lots for them. And the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the 11 apostles. Matthias was selected. And we just said, Judas left to go where he belongs. And it's clear in Scripture that Judas, because of his evil nature, he belonged in hell. And that's where Judas was, and that's just a reference to that. Then they cast lots for them. So let me explain the casting of lots and how they did it in the Old Testament. And this is the only time in the New Testament, and this is just before the Holy Spirit coming down, right? The casting of lots was almost like um, the dice, like rolling of dice. It was this randomization that would happen. It was not that simple. It was more of a container full of white stones, and one of the stones was black. Okay, so there's a container full of white stones and one of the stones was black. And what they would do, they would call upon the direction of God and they would pray to God and start before prayer just like these men did and have God make the choice through this human act. And okay, God, we're going to cast these lots and ultimately Matthias was the one that pulled out the black stone. Or however, vice versa, the one that didn't pull out whatever... Uh, the context of that was. And that's how it was. It was like this randomization, this human-initiated randomization, but it was God-initiated because they prayed and they submitted to God for that. And it's important to us to understand, not to think, oh, well, okay, every decision in my life, I'm just going to pull some stones out of a bucket and God's going to direct me in everything I do, right? No, please don't. Because I promise you, that's not how it works. But in this situation, the casting of lots, this lottery, right? This randomization, this random act, was how these men uh, made major choices. This was not a simple choice. In fact, if you go back, there was a lot of situations, um, lifestyle situations, that used the casting of lots. Today, there's no need for this. Let me give some application. 
Have you ever found yourself um, in what baseball terms would like to call a pickle? Right? A pickle. We know what a pickle is in baseball. Got caught in a pickle, right? You got to go one way or another and you're stuck. You got to make a choice. You get caught in a pickle in life. You're stuck between one decision and another. We've been there. We, we're at a point, we've been to a point in our life where we have to make a decision and just sitting idle is not going to work. We've been there. Maybe it's the choice of, if you go back to younger years, maybe it's the choice of going to college or not or what college to go to. Or maybe it's the choice of what major in college I may have decided to choose what I would declare. Maybe the choice was, should I stay with where I'm working right now or should I apply for a new job? Since I've been accepted to this new job, do I accept this new job or do I stay where I am? I have to make a choice because if I don't make that choice, they're going to get a job with somebody else. So I'm stuck and I have to make a choice, right? Yay or nay, whether I'm going to do that. Maybe it's I got to buy a new car. I don't know which car to buy or do I need to buy a new one or just put a, another $500 into this car to keep it going. We're stuck. We have to make a choice. What house to buy? What have you? Should I keep hanging with these group of friends or not? Should I do this or that? And we're stuck in this pickle in life where you have to decide because if you don't decide, nothing's good's going to come from it. One way or another, your fingers are crossed that you make a good decision. Pickles. That's kind of where the, the disciples were stuck. They were stuck and they had to make a choice. But the good news is we've got a resource far better than casting a lot. We've got a, a resource better than pulling stones out of a bucket. Saying, well, should I make this decision? If I pull the black stone, I'm going to do it, right? If not, then I'm not. That type of situation. We've got a resource far better because if we just look a little bit ahead in Scripture, what's about to happen to all believers, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And the power of God lives within his believers. So we have something far more powerful than a randomization of uh, pulling a stone out of a bucket. We have God, his will that can direct us, the creator of all things. A sovereign God who's in control of everything that we can approach and we can go to. And you say, okay, well, I really like the decision of pulling rocks out of the bucket. It kind of makes more sense to me anyway. God, don't tell me straight up yes or no, pulling rocks out of the bucket. Well, I get it. I get it. However, there's some direction that we have. And scripture will direct us in helping us make decisions in our life. We seek godly counsel. We look at the scriptures. We search the scriptures and we try to understand what God would have for us. Okay, and we pray. We pray for guidance. Say, I want to pray over everything that I'm going to do. I got to pray if I'm going to buy a car. I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to pray about that. Yeah. God's will in your life will be made clear if you're willing to listen, if you're willing to be obedient to him. And here's how that works. Well, show me how that works, Sean. Here's how this works. You say one of two things. There are two type of prayers. Ready? There are two type of prayers in the universe. Only two. One prayer is my will be done. And the other prayer is thy will be done. 
When you pray that his will is done, when you pray, God, I pray in this situation that this decision I make is according to your will, then you are seeing ultimately what he would have for you. Versus, God, I'm praying what's going to make me the happiest. I'm going to be happy here. It's going to keep more money in the bank. It's going to do this. It's going to do that. Then you are seeking your will be done. Your personal, my will be done, not thy will be done. And when you pray and you seek his will, you make the best decision you can. You make the decision that is going to glorify him. But let me go back to this casting of lots and decision making in our life. If you are, if you've been a Christian for a long time and you've been through this, like, yes, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed about a decision and I made a decision and I know and I felt in that moment that that decision that I made was a mistake. It was the wrong decision. But I thought that was God's will. I thought that was the right thing, but I felt like it was a mistake. And I'll tell you this, God, his plans are bigger than yours. God's plans are bigger than yours. What you see as a mistake is part of the path to grow. What you see as a mistake in this moment, if you're in, at the end of the journey and you look back and you'll say God was in it the entire time. Every decision you make according to his will is going to be a decision that's going to be for what he wants and his desire in you. So let's, uh, let, me, let me digress a bit, okay? The casting of lots, this randomization act, we have something more powerful than putting a bucket on our hip and walking around through life and saying, Lord, I want McDonald's or Wendy's. I don't know. Let me pull out this right here. Wendy's it is, right? Y'all don't do that? No, we don't do that, right? No, we don't do that, but the same concept can run in our mind. Not as minor as that, but on our decisions in our life, the little things that's going to maybe change your trajectory in life just the slightest bit, if you seek God's will, you seek his will and you strive to glorify him, just like in this situation, before they even pulled out and cast the lots, before they even started that, look what they did. Look what the disciples did. They didn't just say, okay, y'all, go grab that bucket. Let's pull some rocks out. No, they, it, let's look in it. Let's go to, right back to the scripture in Acts. Flip my page too far here. Right, right back in it. And they say right before the very end, he said, when Matthias was chosen at verse 22, 23, they were, they were proposed, verse 25, to take the place in the ministry. Then they prayed in verse 24. They said, you, Lord, you know our hearts. You know everyone's hearts. Show us which of these two that you have chosen. Not give us, Lord, what we need. Give us what we want. Give us what's going to make this work and that right fit for us so we all can get along. But he said, they say in the prayers, Peter said, he said, look, Father, let your will be done in this. Show us what you have chosen, and may this be according to what you want. It's a prayer of thy will be done, God, whatever it is, even if it's going to be inconvenient, even if I can't stand his personality and the way this person acts, God, let your will be done. What is your decision in my life? Let that be done. Let that be done. So in your life, pray thy will, not my will, but thy will be done.
And looking in verse 12, as we go right back to verse 12, as I said, we're going to go back and forth. This thing about prayer is huge. Not just individualized prayer, but a unified prayer of God's people. Verse 12, then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, where Jesus just ascended, right? And Jesus told them to, stay, to go and to wait in Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. It's just a, a fact is on the Sabbath, you're not supposed to travel, right? Then, weren't supposed to travel, but it was about a half mile. What did that say? Yeah, about a half mile away. It's about a half mile, so that was okay. It was within the regulations, a Sabbath day journey away. Verse 13, when they arrived, they went to the room upstairs, a.k.a. the upper room, as we've heard. They went to the upper room where they were staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. They were all continually, look at this, they were all continually, what's the next word? Let's do it again. They were all continually united, united in prayer along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. They went, and they were obedient, and they went back to that room, and they were unified. Right after the ascension of Jesus, this unification, 120 souls of people, unified together with one purpose, right? And this word unify is important, church, because here's what happened. Before this, if we go through the Gospels, we, we will see so many instances, so many stories, so many examples of how the disciples were not unified. How they were vying for position to be at the right hand of Jesus. How they were disagreeing. How they were not all together in unity. But then something happened, and that something's called Jesus. Jesus happened he defeated death. He ascended into heaven. And then they know that they are, they are fully responsible for this thing called spreading the Great Commission and spreading the news. So that brought unification. All these different people with different opinions brought them all together. And they were unified. They were unified. The denying of the Lord from Peter that happened. Matthias, who was opposed and infuriated by everybody because he was a tax collector. Simon the Zealot, they were all different and they were all brought together. Their differences were still there. They had different backgrounds, but the whole church still worked together in unity. Regardless of their differences, regardless of their histories, regardless of their backgrounds, they worked together. Great example for the church. Their differences was there, but Jesus overcame all those. So three core things that happened from this unification. The disciples were united in obedience. The disciples were united because they stayed in Jerusalem. They were united in obedience. They were united in fellowship because they were scared to death. Remember, we talked last week, these, these disciples were scared to death because they just saw their leader crucified, murdered, beaten, scored, and to death, and and die a, a, um, a death he didn't deserve on the cross. They just saw that. So they know that the people were against him. And they're hiding in this upper room. So they were together in fellowship. They were there for one another. 
They were there to support one another, to encourage one another. They didn't flee and run off and scatter and get scared to death. Because of Jesus, they stayed strong together and they worked together in fellowship. And finally, and I think most importantly, they were united in prayer. They were united in prayer and supplication is what King James will tell us. Supplicate. They were, they, they were it's so um, prayerful, not just for themselves, for one another. They were prayerful for direction of the Lord. They were pray, praying that thy will be done. Thy will be done instead of my will be done. Father, be, let us be what you call us to be. That's a powerful example of the church. This is where the church starts. Acts is where the church hits the ground running. This is after the death of Jesus. The gospel's stories are not over. It's a continuation of after Jesus' death in Acts. And this is where it begins. And next week we're going to see the Holy Spirit come over these men. And the, from this point they're going to be empowered to do things in such a way because of this thing, or the, the, because of the Holy Spirit and Jesus defeating that and allowing the Holy Spirit to come on their lives. So here's how this story works. God loved us so much. He loved his people, his masterpiece, his creation so much that he didn't want us to be separated forever. So he gave his son, himself in the flesh, the only thing that was valuable enough to pay the wages that we deserve for sin, he gave Jesus to die. And Jesus came and he lived the perfect life and he died on our behalf. And because he died, because he defeated death, on the third day he rose from the dead and, on, and then in 40 days he ascended into heaven. If we believe that and we believe in Jesus and we submit our lives to him, that's the promise of salvation in our life. You don't know what that is. It's not anything that's far-reaching and unattainable and hard to understand. It's this thing called submission of our heart. All right, God, my life, I'm tired of living by my will. And once I start living by thy will, thy will be done in my life, then our hearts are given to Christ. And we are made brand new. And we're allowed to make decisions. And we're empowered to make decisions through the Holy Spirit. We can be part of the movement. And that's what we're called to do. We can be part of the movement of sharing the good news with everyone through the power of the Spirit. But you can defeat death through the power of God that lives within you if you believe in Christ. If you believe. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Father, today, thank you so much for your word. May we be submissive. More importantly, God, may we have comprehension to what it means in our life. May we see application in our life. Father, may we see application in our individual life in this. Fathers, we live a life so self-directed. What do I need to do now? What can I do now? Where do I need to go now? Father, our culture tells us that and drives that into our mind. But God, may we be more, more will-seeking, thy will-seeking. May we say everything, Father, what would you have me do today? Father, how should I go today? What should I do in this decision and that decision so that you are glorified, so that I am obedient to you, and ultimately, God, so that your story is told through my life? Father, help us every day, every day to surrender 
to surrender our selfishness and to be more obedient to you. Father, we thank you for your sovereignty in our lives. We thank you for our goodness in our lives. And we thank you for this purpose that we have to fill this emptiness that's in every heart without you. Father, may we now have this purpose in our life to go and share that good news, to go and share the truth of the gospel, that you are alive, that your son defeated death. And since that death is defeated, we don't have to live without sin, that pain and that fear of the world in our lives because you have taken that weight off of us. Help us to surrender that every single day. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your son. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.